Andrew and Roger. They're not role models. Some of the things they do would cause a person to get hurt, expelled, arrested, possibly deported. To put it another way, don't try this at home. Places that have a beach nearby. We've been pretty slow here in Delaware. It's it's gotten kind of eerie, actually. It reminds me of the holidays that are right around the corner. You know, um, it's really quiet up here in town, so I've gotten to enjoy it a little bit. Um, you know, my mom came into town and got to see her grandbaby, and my little guy had a few days back to school, and you know, then he got to get into that and get out of that rhythm really quickly on Thursday. It's kind of weird. The kids go back to school for four days, Labor Day weekend, and then they go back again. So. I'm- I've never understood that no, for that I exact it's reason. Stupid. Yeah, it, it is stupid, but that's the way that they do it for now. I think they're supposed to stop it like next year. So we'll wait to see how that goes. When I was a kid and I was going to school, it was always the Wednesday after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the kids from Tower Hill. I was just talking to a regular that I used to have at Delaware Park, and uh, yeah, the kids from Tower Hill do that. They don't go back until the Wednesday afterwards. Yeah. Period. <laughs> It makes so much more sense, and if you think oh, yeah. about it, in September you already have like Rosh Hashanah, which is one holiday. Right. Then you have Yom Kippur, which can come in September or early October. Right. So you already have two, three week, three day weekends built in. Pretty you don't much. need a third one. It's it disrupts things more than anything else. <clears throat> no. Excuse me. Even in high school, like when I went to Elkton, because now in Maryland they don't go back until after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Like I would show up and you know, it's it's serious. It's on. Like high school you're supposed to just be nose to the grindstone, get your credits out, get your degree, boom, buy, off into the real world you go. And there I am. And we pretty much spend three days just looking at each other and kind of getting to know things and, and then you're gone here. again. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make any sense. So you know, uh, hopefully next year here in Delaware they change that. I, I heard something about our current governor, Carney, signing a bill about that. But we have this weird kind of Confederate setup, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, here hmm. in Delaware, where pretty much the um, 
you know, the state employs all the teachers through the Delaware State Teachers Association, mm-hmm. all that, and education department. But um, then we have all these small districts. So pretty much, like, you can have something come from the state from the top down, and the state ultimately is the employer of the teachers. But then all the districts have to ratify it, <laughs> kind of, and sign off on it and implement it, you know. So you could have these statewide edicts, but it takes a year to two years sometimes or longer to enforce them to get them uh, working. Yeah. Is Delaware the only state that you know of that does that? Um, you know what? This is really sad because I, I never paid enough attention, I guess. But, um, I mean, I remember being in school in Delaware. Things tend to be statewide. But when I was in school in Maryland, it kind of didn't matter where you were. If something came from the top down, that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the governor signed off on something or the state department of education said hey by the way this is how we're going to do things next year end of story that's all that it was so you know maybe we should get into that idea i know that there's talks going forward in the future especially dealing with all the problems that we have here in wilmington uh with the education system and a lot of them aren't necessarily even the fault of the public school system per se but um we're we've got a we've got a problem with um, too many districts like at one point I think the initial um, chartering or the initial legislation in Delaware that allowed for all the public schools or standardization there were 100 school districts in Delaware at one point wow 100 and you got to think to yourself like um, we had one third of a million residents prior to 1980 in this state and you can only imagine how low that number was 100 years ago Hmm. so you know, now we have almost a million, but we still have something like 19 districts. Um, there are more kids in one school district, you know, in plenty of other places compared to Delaware. But here we have 19. It doesn't make sense. Duval County, a.k.a. Jacksonville, Florida, one district. New York City, one district. You know, it doesn't make sense to have all these separate districts and all these separate payments and administration for each one and blah, blah, blah. And you wonder where that money could be going. <coughs> actually educating kids with starters but doesn't make much sense does it no and it's become very expensive to raise kids in delaware because of the because the public education is not what it should be so everyone is opting out for private education and going to sally's which is regarded as one of the best schools in the the entire country but it is twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year yeah you're saying the kid in the college before he can barely emote yeah 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 seriously i mean and honestly, like if if you were to stay in state and send your kid to UD, it's less. Mm-hmm. I think I want to say it's five thousand dollars a year. You know, quote me from if you are a Delaware resident, if you're a Delaware resident, yep. I mean, you could send your kid to NYU, I think, for twenty thousand a year. Yeah. You know, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, that's a lot of money to spend on it. Uh, you know, I I used to ride the DAR buses everywhere all the time when I didn't work here in town like I do now, and. Um, there's this one gentleman, I liked him a lot, um, that I used to ride on the bus with. I want to say he's Polish or Italian-American Catholic. And you know him and his wife uh, lived not too far from where I live um, in Camby Park Estates. I think they lived off of Lancaster Avenue. But he said after a certain point, you know, he just worked the extra job or the two jobs, and they sent their kids to Catholic school. And he pretty much accepted it like, a, like you know, something you do in life, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what that extra 20k a year could do. You know, I've said it before on this podcast. Um, I live in the worst feeder district in the state currently, but it's the highest homeowning district in the city of Wilmington. Is it really? It is. Like it owner occupied, I should say. Um, more people 
own their own homes and occupy them as a primary residence in my part of town than anywhere else in town, uh, any other zip code. But they all send their kids to Corpus Christi and St. E's, you know. Corpus Christi? Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi is a K-8 through um, Catholic school out in Ellesmere. If you've ever gone down Route 2, the Kirkwood Highway, mm-hmm. heading west, like you're heading towards Bryce's Corner, and uh, pretty much before you get to the Wawa, they're that they're in that whole area. You can't help but notice them. The uh, 15 miles an hour, or 20 mile an hour school zones they enforce so heavily in Ellesmere, that's Corpus Christi. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's not even Baltz. Like all the public, I think the public school Baltz Elementary in Ellesmere is a couple blocks off of Kirkwood Highway, but Corpus Christi backs right up to Kirkwood Highway. So, so that's why it is enforced so heavily. I yep. mean, God help you if you go above 25 miles per hour yeah. anywhere in Ellesmere city limits. My, my brother got a speeding ticket coming down the bridge from my side, <laughs> down the bridge into the Ellesmere side by DuPont Road once. I think he got it to 45. Oh, oh my 30, God. And that's a 35 zone over there when you're first getting into Ellesmere. So, oh my God. 45, that's a $100 ticket at yeah. least. It's stupefying. It's absolutely stupefying. I mean, Ellesmere is one of those few places where I feel like I'm back in Cecil County with the cops trying to pull you over every two seconds. But you got that small town and the highway running through it. it it's a fine balance. But at any rate. At any rate, well, yeah. you mentioned Corpus Christi, and it yep. makes us think of our friends uh, down in South Texas. Our brothers uh, and sisters in Texas. Good Harvey morning. has left, Thank but uh, it has left. It's definitely took a toll on the on the Gulf Coast, on this on Southern Texas and New Orleans. Yep. Hurricane Harvey is going to cost as much mm-hmm. as Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. and Hurricane Sandy combined. Holy shit! <laughs> Replace all the damages that have been done. Oh my god. Yeah. Combined. That's a stupefying amount of money. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember them evacuating whole towns in either or, per se. I mean, not in, I, Katrina was a loss for a few days, but like they've evacuated entire towns and hospitals in Texas, from what I've been seeing this week. And rain stayed there for nearly a solid week. Yeah. It's the, this is the first ever hurricane in my life I could actually remember. You know, folks, I'm 35, but. This is the first one I can ever remember just hanging out in one particular place for more than 24 hours. Like, usually dealing with the brunt of it for 24 hours, and it goes somewhere else, and it's somebody else's problem. But this one just hung the heck out. Like, a one-in-a-thousand-year event, a lot of meteorologists were saying. Like, we haven't seen <laughs> pretty much, you know, the last time North America saw something like this, there were no white people. So, <laughs> just wow. think about that for a moment, you know. Um, I got I got interesting. They, they haven't even they North America didn't even see any Vikings. So like that's that's how rare this kind of event is. Think about that. Hmm. Makes you think. Oh yeah. But at any rate. Well, we do hope that uh right the recovery efforts in Houston and in uh, New Orleans are happen relatively quickly. And I know that yep. the Red Cross is on it. I would encourage anybody with any disposable income yep. to donate. I mean, there have been there are so many agencies down there, and every yep. little bit helps. And I don't know if you've seen the posts on Twitter of the oh, of the, the Red Cross on the meals that they've been handing out. I'm gonna see if I can pull it on the computer for yeah. you. And, and but uh, it's caused kind of a um, oh, people have been talking about it on the, on the internet. I'll I'll say that much. Okay. Because of the uh, the chicken nuggets. Which sounds funny. Chicken nuggets. Yeah, huh? let me see if I... I'm going to try and pull it up here America. on Twitter. 
real quick. Chicken nuggets, maybe yeah. if I try it. Chicken nuggets, yep. Red Cross. And while Roger surfing for, surfing is searching for this, folks, um, I will say out there that um, the Red Cross is a legitimate charity. Um, take take a time to talk about charities for a little bit. There are a lot of charities, and there are websites out there where you could research charities and how much of your money actually goes towards helping people instead of just paying salaries for, you know, people that just couldn't make it in the business world. <laughs> And decided to work for nonprofits. No offense to people out there, a lot of people with good hearts, but there are also a lot of people that just mooch off this completely. So, the Red Cross has been around for forever. Um, you know, there's Red Cross, there's Red Crescent, all around the world. That's what I was showing you. Like two chicken nuggets. What's two that? chicken nuggets, a snack pack. It is peas and corn. Peas and corn. This and looks like a Mississippi prison meal to me, but this is what they're handing out. Yeah. So the red, I mean, and if you guys have not seen this picture, I'll, I'll try and share it on our Instagram page and Facebook page, Facebook the loud majority, Instagram the loud majority. It's really, but it's really, really sad. I don't, I really don't have an explanation for it. I, I'd like to think that the Red Cross has more resources so they can offer the people of Houston more than just two lousy chicken McNuggets. I'm about, I'm about to say, I think that whole meal right there is 300 calories tops. Um, and you got to think like when you're in a stressful situation, your appetite goes up because we get attest to being in the food and beverage industry for so long. So you actually tend to metabolize twice as much in that immediate, you know, aftermath or fallout of whatever situation you're in. So two freaking chicken nuggets and some random vegetable sides are not going to do it for you. No, they're yeah. not. So in any rate, please donate whatever you can to the Red Cross. Anything. Actually, uh, at Domain Hudson, we're doing a, uh, happy hour it's called happy hour for the dogs oh, wow. and it's going to go towards the uh pet relief and the aspca in houston okay all proceeds good good and uh, i have uh some of my friends that are going to be donating wine and beer and we're going to be donating food so come down uh september 22nd from five to seven at domain hudson and it's going to be for a good cause and as i said all proceeds are going to go help out the uh pets in houston excellent 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 good to know they're doing some charity work over there for sure yeah yeah. Well, unfortunately, I mean, we are in the middle of hurricane season, and we thought we had enough with Harvey, but we have Hurricane Irma making yep. its way over now. These names. <laughs> Before Harvey was Hurricane Gert. <laughs> it doesn't get better. I mean, Harvey's still kind of that redneck cousin that hangs out for too long and wrecks all your stuff. Huh. Wait a minute. That sounds a lot like Hurricane <laughs> Irma now it's just this one chick that you're trying to get rid of and politely dismiss but she just won't leave and it looks like it might be that way for the Caribbean let's hope not yeah. um, so people are calling for Hurricane Irma to possibly a category 5 Ooh. once it hits the United States which would make it the second category 5 hurricane or pardon me category 4 hurricane to hit the United States which is the first time in history that two yeah. Category four hurricanes have ever hit the United States in the four same five. year. Yeah, it's 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 un it's unprecedented. It's unheard of. And for those of you who don't know, listening at home, um, the other nickname for a Cat Five hurricane is the Hand of God. Is it really? <laughs> so we're gonna get bit slapped by the Hand of God twice in under a month if this comes to fruition. I mean, time will tell where it's going to hit. They don't know if it's going to hit Florida. They don't know if it's, if it's going to hit the Carolinas. They don't know if it's going to just swim off into the ocean. The funny thing is, <laughs> guess where I'll be by the time Irma hits? Florida? No, I'll be in North Carolina. I'll be in the Outer Banks. Ooh, you're so lucky. Yeah. You get so lucky. Oh, yeah, man. so uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not uh, 
I'm a little worried about it, but yeah. I'm sure we'll be fine. But yeah, so uh, I will be in the Outer Banks next weekend. So um, yeah. pray for me, Delaware. We do- we definitely will be. Yeah, hashtag I've- pray for Roger. Hashtag pray for Roger. <laughs> like a vault. <laughs> I've-, I've heard a lot of people talking in Walter's side about how it might do that because there's a lot of people to go to OBX, you know, mm-hmm. to get away from it all. You know, they've-, they've got the Delaware beaches, the Jersey Shore, and Florida condos at their disposal, but everyone loves the Outer Banks, so. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been. Um, and I, I I hate that my first experience is going to be during a hurricane. But hey, maybe that makes it what maybe that makes it the most fun. Just looking at maps now, it looks like it's uh, as of uh, Sunday night, September second. It looks like it's making its way towards Florida. I mean, it'll go anywhere. It's kind of funny. They, they have so many different models for hurricanes, but it seems like the one that keeps coming out with a 5% margin of error accurate every time is the European model. Apparently, the EU has a ton of computers at their disposal, more than we do, I guess, now uh, for this kind of work, and it called Sandy to a, like, to a T. Really? When Sandy hit because everyone thought that Sandy would hit Delaware. I was, you know, praying to God, like, okay, like, don't wipe out the house I just bought or anything, and it hits New York instead. I'm like, oh, that, that's not cool either. <laughs> I do remember that. I remember people thinking that it was going to come right for us, and people were really excited just because it's a hurricane coming to Delaware. I it's mean, the first hurricane ever. Yeah. yeah. It was a really exciting time to live in this state. It was 2012. It was yep. the fall of 2012. Yep. Late in and yeah, oh my late god, late October, late October, mm-hmm. like right before Halloween, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think my folks were still living in Connecticut at the time, so they kind of got wiped out from it. Poor, poor them. They were up in the middle of the state up there. Wow, oof, it's kind of funny. My uh, parents were on vacation in Fort Lauderdale during Hurricane Sandy, and oh, they just wow. got a lot of wind. But yeah. coming from New York, and especially inland New York, they don't see shit like this at all. No, you don't. So they were hanging out on their balcony every day, just spectators <laughs> watching Mother Nature. Like, That's just, awesome, m- m- you know, eyes gaping, mouth wide open in amazement, just looking at the destructiveness yep. that is Mother Nature. Donald Trump's mistress. <laughs> Donald Trump's mistress. <laughs> His eventual next wife once he dumps Melania after going head over heels for... Her subductive, destructive power. Irma, Ivanka, Ivana, it's all the same. It's the same fucking shit. Irma, I love you so much. <laughs> Let's make babies. I couldn't make a baby with Avi. That's just gay and immoral. <laughs> That's what Mike Pence tells me every day. <laughs> oh, man. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> it burns. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So, so climate. So, I think we're all in agreement that climate change is a myth, right? I mean, oh, like yeah. two category four hurricanes hitting the United States inside that's of a month. Much. That's that. I, yeah, I, I, I had to do a with climate change. Guy from Buffalo tell me it was all a myth and garbage, and the climate's always changing. I had a guy a week before that who was from Maine um, was talking about how it's not carbon in the atmosphere; it's a lack of moisture. <laughs> Lack of moisture. We're about to get a lot more moisture the more uh, fresh water our oceans get, let me tell you. There's going to be lots of moisture to go around, just in all the wrong ways. So, just in case people don't know, and I'm sure there are several people who are not listening, let's just go over it real quick, what climate change has to do with with these hurricanes. So, with the equator equator expanding and the polar ice caps melting, what what happens is is that 
bodies of water are becoming warmer. Yep. And they're becoming less salty, which means there's a lot more fresh water that can evaporate and go into the atmosphere and form things like Category 5 hurricanes, whenever the hell Mother Nature feels like it. Um, that's climate change. <laughs> yeah. Scientific fact, ladies and gentlemen, climate change is coming. And if this year is any uh, indication of what's going to happen, we're in for a lot more of these disastrous hurricanes. Yeah. Before, you know, people like Roger and I pass away, we will see a lot more changes. We already have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I keep wondering every winter, like, should I buy those bike chains for my bicycle or should I wait until we have a climate like Florida or South Carolina's? Because I, I, I just can't commit to that yet because it looks like it could go either way year to year, you know? I joke about it. Uh, with people that in 20 years people are going to be coming up to New York to vacation during the winter and going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> people from Florida are going to be coming up and vacationing in the Adirondacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got so hot we thought your father would melt last year. He almost did. He stuck to the furniture. <laughs> he stuck to the plastic and the furniture, Morty. He stuck to the plastic. I almost had to change the plastic. It's all right, we got these new modern marvels, Mom. Look at this ice. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, it's it's too much, but yeah. So that that's coming. So uh, be be vigilant, kids. I mean, I, I personally don't want to see. Uh, I, I think I'd spoken about this on podcast before about uh, a, a show called Occupied, mm -hmm. and the premise of it was that a hurricane ended up hitting Norway, so they stopped pumping out oil. <laughs> like Norway, in the future. yeah, because technically a hurricane could round about and go up that way. It could, but it would take something like massive climate change in order for that to happen. We have had hurricanes that have formed off the coast of Africa, gone back our way, and then cycle back around. Oh, wow. Like, they usually don't hit as hurricanes back in Africa or Europe, but I think London actually got one a few years back. It got a pretty nasty storm that did a hook. Didn't really hit us that much in the East Coast here or, or Eastern Canada, but hooked back around and hit up London, something severe. So, uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> they're used to calm, cool weather in Europe. And if anything else is, if anything else happens, that's climate change for you. Cause that just doesn't happen in Europe, you know? Yeah. You have to think it's only, it's only a matter of time before an area like, uh, the, uh, at the Alabama Pensacola yeah. area. Yeah. You know, it's going to get rat. I mean, ra the Florida panhandle. Thank yep. you. You know, I'll get a, a Part of the Florida you don't really associate with hurricanes, but yeah. it's, it's only a matter of time. Or Tampa. I mean, they've been talking about the big one for years and mm -hmm. years and years. I remember loved vacationing there every year and, you know, going down there to visit with my, you know, uh, with Papa Resch and my Uncle Bob and all that. But, you know, they had hurricane evacuation route signs everywhere on US-19. And, and they never had to use them, thankfully, but... It is only a matter of time. They've been preparing for that on the Gulf Coast for quite a long time now. Wow. Well, let's hope that uh, Irma miss. Let's hope that Irma misses us, yeah. or if it does, that it loses its speed. However, I have to be yeah. completely honest. It really does not look like it's going to right now. Yeah, fish and underwater creatures. They don't have to worry about property value or loss or digging themselves out of water. They live in it. So, so it stays in the Atlantic, but. And I, I, I see the greatest president ever on your computer screen now, Roger. Oh, my God. He finally witnessed the devastation with his own eyes, and he's still in shock. Yeah. 
tongue. I mean, still in shock and awe. Yeah, and um, and amazed that this is all happening. I mean, come on now. Like, yeah. do we need any more reason why Donald Trump is not the greatest <laughs> president to ever walk God's green earth? Two category four hurricanes, a solar eclipse. And North Korea launching a hydrogen bomb. A fucking hydrogen bomb. Okay, Roger, you're Jewish. How many more plagues do we have to go through? You at can least, tell me. At least. I'll tell you, I'll tell you off mic. I don't want to let the, the rest of the, of the goyim know what's going on. Oh, God. Appreciate it. off mic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Yeah, if, if I was one of those Bible-thumping paranoid types, I, I'd really be... Considering just what we have to do to get rid of this pestilence myself, you know. Um. But yes, Oof. ladies and gentlemen, uh, as of about two a.m., I got the notice on my cell phone yeah. last night yep, that North too. Korea conducted its sixth nuclear test yep. with an advanced hydrogen bomb for a long-range missile, prompting a threat of a massive military response from the United States. Yep. Well. Where is the doomsday clock at, kids? I mean, um, do, do we get Dr. Manhattan out there now to save us and stop the nukes? I mean, it's crazy. I think we were like six minutes to midnight last I checked at the doomsday clock. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It's crazy. If North Korea is right, I mean, the, the sad part about East Asia is that every time these folks are like, we've got some new bomb, it usually tends to be a fake. It's, it's usually chest thumping. It's usually not a message against America or our allies, but something to keep the masses happy at home so they don't come and dismember this the only fat kid in North Korea like they should. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't worry. Our, our our homeboy Mad Dog Mattis has got our back. This, totally is, our back. this is a quote that he gave this afternoon. Blessed assurance. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> quote, we are not looking to the total annihilation of a country, na- namely North Korea. But as I said, we have many options to do so. Later on that same day, as Donald Trump was leaving church, which is a horrifying image to think of. Donald did anything Trump burn? Church. I did hear about that. Did anything burn? Did he burn? Did, did anyone flip out? I mean, animals? Did animals go nuts and start pecking at him on the way in? I mean, I heard he's kind of a fire crotch. Most people his age are. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no kidding. If they have any fire down down there at all. So uh, journalists came up to him as he was leaving church and asked them if the United if the United States would attack North Korea. Trump replied with a simply, "We'll see. We'll see. It's in God's hands now, kids. I just prayed about it." Oy. Blessed assurance, the nukes are mine. I will use them and it will be divine. It's officially gotten really, really scary now. I mean, a hydrogen bomb? This is my button. These are my nukes. I will kill all of yous. God. Yeah, it really is frightening to think that, you know, we could finally have the Cold War that we always wanted, or at least some people wanted. Woo! This is the one. <laughs> this, is what we, this is the war we really wanted. Well, it's not the Soviets, but it'll do. <laughs> Close enough. One of those damn commies. Oh, my goodness. Nah, do we really want this? No, we don't. No, we don't. I, I, I think I was telling you earlier tonight, it's it's kind of like Jonesville, except that Jonesville is much larger with much more people in it. You know, uh, there's there's no options left to play but the war card. <laughs> the, war, the war card is the last card in the deck left to play. 
<laughs> there's nothing else you can possibly do to maintain power there. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> at this point, it's inevitable. Oh my goodness, the do we are actually. I'm sorry, we're two and a half minutes away from midnight on the Doomsday Clock. Nice. Great. Yeah. So we are a lot closer than, than I thought yeah. we were. It's, at this point, it's almost imminent that we're going to nuclear war, isn't it, Andrew? Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't want to scare Delaware and the nation, but it's looking pretty rough. Yeah. All, all my family is in the, is in the radius of, of rage of Kim Jong-un, except for me. It's it's really sad. I was I was half joking with my mother about this last week but I mean she grew up in the Cold War era so did my father uh, she was actually um, she got to use Rome Air Force Base they would do things at Rome Air Force Base and utilize their computer back in the day and for those of you who don't know the job of Rome Air Force Base was to um, get their fighters ready if nukes were launched from Russia against North America and go up and over the pole and try to blow them out of the sky before they landed and hit their targets so uh, the the Cold War was a very real thing for her and them, and you know she just did one of those really deep breaths, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, dark humor, my my mistake, that's my mistake. <sighs> but oh my god, I, I I don't think people are ready, Raj. I, I really don't think they're ready. You know, I don't think anyone's really ready for war. This nation is not ready for war at all. Um, I don't think anybody wants it. I think everyone's really gotten happy of uh, the ideas of peace and prosperity, ultimately, at the end of the day. I mean, Europe is done with war, pretty much, um, except for Russia. <laughs> and, um, Asia doesn't like it too much, although it does keep everyone going at full speed, you know. But nobody really wants this. I think we've gotten so accustomed to being so close to war and something happening in the last minute when we didn't have to go to war. Yeah. And it's happened so many times. I mean, they had the Bay of Pigs 50 years ago. Oh, God, yeah. Do you think yeah. we're primed and numb to it to a point, honestly? That's exactly what I think. That, you, that's exactly the point that I was going to make. Wow. I, I, I really think so. I really think at this point that a lot of us, and I have to admit myself included at this point, it's just kind of like, all right, North Korea is launching nukes, but it's okay. It'll yeah. be okay. It's, I mean, like... Some, something's going to happen. I don't know what, but something's going to happen, and we're not going to go to war. We can't, America, we can't go to war. Fuck yeah. We can't go to war. Gonna save the motherfucking world, America. Fuck yeah. Team America. Suck my dick <laughs> and lick on my ass, America. Fuck yeah. Got the WMDs. <laughs> God. Yeah, it, it, it's. I, I've thought about that all week. America, America. I've been saying America. that every chance I get. Actually, I've been pointing out the America on all the bottles of Budweiser, the patrons of the hotel. No one else is picking up on that. Andrew and I have been talking. Uh, we were texting each other the other day, and I was at work. I was doing inventory, you know, standard end of the month procedure. Yep. And I was listening to Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals, which came favorites. out about 19 years ago. I think it was September, September yep. 1998. So 19, yep. uh, 19 years ago, almost to the date. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners uh, were probably just born around then or maybe have, have not listened to this album. But let me be the first to say that I would encourage everybody to come out, download it on Spotify, download it on iTunes, whichever way you stream or play music. Mechanical Animals is one of the more important pieces of music that has ever that's been released for the millennial generation. Most definitely. 
and Andrew and I have kind of made a little bit of a contra. I would say it's a controversial comparison mm-hmm. that Mechanical Animals is in a lot of ways sim- the 1984 for mm-hmm. the millennial generation. It is. It is, and um, it it's prophetic, is what it is, and it 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 was so funny to me because at the time when he wrote it, a lot of the things that are now part of our common lives like the internet and social media and like none of this stuff existed so you know back then when you said stuff like what Marilyn Manson said in 1998 on Mechanical Animals you were just being this negative person you were believing in negative utopia and you were nuts and you were depressed or whatever but we've seen a lot of it happen actually you know especially specifically things he was talking about in certain songs about the way that people act or losing our humanity you know, or the world losing its color, for example. You know, or getting used to a new mediocre existence or trying to fit in at all costs, despite whatever it does to yourself. And actually losing concept of yourself for the sake of society. It's funny, you were talking about, you know, 1984. I also thought um, tonight when I was doing some research and going through all the songs and the lyrics and the Manson Wikipedia and all that, I thought of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley quite a bit. Hmm. Because Aldous Huxley's Brave New World harked upon a lot of very similar themes, um, especially losing self for the sake of society, you know, and just doing things because you are expected to or supposed to. Um, I don't know how many people have ever read his work, um, that or the perennial philosophy or, or anything else by Aldous Huxley, but the man was extremely ahead of his time. Um, for those of you who don't know, he came from very prominent families. A lot of the... Um, prototypical anthropology that ended up leading to arguments for the eugenics movement, for example, came from, I believe, his grandfather. His grandfather was one of the first people to kind of type every human subspecies on the planet, you know, um, where we got a lot of ethnic language from, which didn't go very well. (laughs) That's a topic for another podcast, but Aldous Huxley lost his sight as a child. Uh, he went blind for a number of years, like outright blind. And um, he was thinking about different career paths, science, etc. When he came back from all that and regained his sight, he ended up turning into a writer. But he brought us stuff like Brave New World, which was just so ahead of its time. You know, speaking about modern societies where people didn't even have their own kids anymore, where people were just birthed into a society and things were expected of them and they went about and did things for the sake of society and not self. And anyone who didn't agree with that was just living on the fringes in what we would consider the third world these days. Pretty wow. scary stuff, but I, I, scary. I was reading through this, and I'm like, damn, this reminds me of what he was speaking about in Brave New World, you know? And even a lot of the videos by Marilyn Manson, it, it was kind of a, a negative utopia um, continuation of, say, David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust, when he went through his Ziggy Stardust phase in the 70s. You know, the kind of uh, space rock, I guess you could say. And a lot shock of the, rock was what it was called, and yeah. that's exactly who he was channeling with yep. this album. He was, um, like you said, David Bowie, Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper, right down to the videos and the artwork and the makeup and everything. Yeah, it was. And even it was if phenomenal. you remember his attire during this time, yep. he he wore red sequin jumpsuits and he wore high heels yep. and he he put breasts on his chest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone thought that he literally got breasts himself. No, he never did. It was just a, a suit. But That was yeah. a huge controversy. And oh, if God, you yeah. uh, open up your Spotify, iTunes, or what have you, and you look at the cover of Mechanical Animals, you'll see a naked Marilyn Manson without a penis with breasts. Yep, completely androgynous, which also led to um, stuff that he talked about in further albums like Hollywood and the Valley of the Shadow of Death. 
Um, but that's another topic for another podcast. So what we thought would be fun was we're going to take a few tracks of uh, Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals, and we're going to uh, go through the lyrics, and we're going to examine them and see how they apply to our modern to our modern society. Most definitely. So I'm going to start playing the first track right now and it's going to this is the opening track of Mechanical Animals and it's Great Big White World. This is actually my favorite song on the album. Most definitely. I love that eerie guitar be, be, guitar oh, yeah. note at the beginning. And there's a lot of uses of synthesizers in this too and very robotic very digital sounds which is also avant-garde. For, for those of you who don't know, at this time, in particular in America, um, music was also shifting. Um, you used to record music like kind of like we are in analog, and then you'd mix it in analog or digital, and then you'd probably match it in digital to put it on a CD, but um, it was getting more digital, digital, digital. Now, this actually made music colder and crisper in sound. Um, type of negative, one of my favorite bands was one of the first bands to use a purely digital method for its recording. You used to see this on CDs, AAD, ADD, DDD. Like it was DDD, DDD, and then I think by the third album, they everyone was doing pure digital. So all the music became colder, you know, by default. Right here. I'm not attached to your world. Yep. Nothing heals, nothing grows. Nothing grows. Completely dead, in other words. But he also spoke about the detachment of, of God if God existed in a lot of his albums. And this kind of keeps he keeps coming back to this theme. Notice that all all, all, all my sti- all my stitches itch. Oh yeah, like, plastic th- surgery. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Trying to fit in. <laughs> a lot of people don't know too, but Manson was actually raised Catholic and he went to Catholic school for a few years. He was just thinking Satanist for the sake of the sell albums. Now he really had some genuine problems with the church. It's funny because it's been said that Marilyn Manson wrote this song as he's a spaceman looking down on Earth yeah. and seeing the revolting and depressing sight, which are which is which became our destroyed world. Yeah, and, and like something that I. It kept coming to me as I was reading through the lyrics and the songs. Like it was kind of the zeitgeist as well, because in 1998, you know, we had all these yahoos looking. Oh, look, the world's going to end, and this is why. You know, we we really thought for a minute, especially with the computer crisis, that things might just stop cold, and it was kind of 
scary for a little while until we surpassed that. Very much so. But I mean, since the beginning of civilization, you pretty much had people that had been looking for the world, and it's like an easy way out, you know? You don't actually have to do any work if everything's coming to an end anyways. Mailman saying now, it's a great big white world and we're a drain of our colors. It's so symbolic of what's going on now. Nobody has any personality anymore. No, Everyone's no. afraid to express themselves. They, they want to conform. They want to be like what they see on TV. They want to, they think that that's correct. Everyone's afraid to express themselves. Yeah, especially if their identity might offend someone else. <laughs> we, we have these conversations about PC culture per se, but I, I feel it's just people leading us to whatever they want us to be. Um, I, I've talked to people about, uh, not this past season of South Park, but one before, where they were pretty much harking upon this. They had this PC principle that would keep people up for not being there. And by the end of it all, you figured out that pretty much there were these robots that were keeping <laughs> that were creating a world that was non-offensive with Whole Foods and all that stuff. <laughs> the only thing that could exist were ads. You know, pretty much people living in consumer culture. That was the only thing that could exist in a world where you couldn't identify as yourself or you living somewhere else. Or a world that didn't allow them to watch you know? That's exactly, that's, exactly, that's exactly what's happened. And just that one song, I mean, it's... And also that motor winding down too yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean in a way he titled the album mechanical animals mm -hmm. and we have all become mechanical animals of you know of sorts yeah sorts 100 percent. yeah i've never i've never heard that line before like my i've always wondered when he said my stitches itch yeah. that resonates with me so deeply like, like you said pl plastic surgery like and i like you're just trying to tear away from you know you're tearing away yeah. what society wants you to be and you just want to open up and you want to express yourself but you're yeah. scared to it got me thinking of something um a norwegian film i saw not that long ago i want to say a few years ago called the bothersome man um it starts with this guy on uh he's on a subway platform in oslo and there's this couple kissing and it just looks really freaking weird like if you ever see a fish trying to nibble it something that's stuck in its tank thinking it's food lets out the couple's kissing he's just kind of staring off blankly into space and pretty much he jumps in front of the train oh my um he comes to in this like tundra looking place out in the middle of nowhere and it's a desert but it's cold you can kind of tell that and it's a gas station and this guy puts up the sign that just says welcome like there's no gas pumps or anything gets on this bus that goes into town which is like oslo you know oslo norway the capital and um gets a job and it seems okay and gets a wife and that seems okay and they have sex but the sex is never that exciting and he goes out to drink and goes to the club but he never gets drunk and pretty much what it is is that like this guy's in heaven quote unquote but it's such a bland and boring environment nothing tastes the same the alcohol never gets you drunk nothing's exciting he yes. has an affair with another woman and his wife's okay because she's looking at the Ikea catalog thinking of all the stuff she's going to buy. And, you know, um, the film ends with him finally breaking into our world where, you know, it's the Norwegian countryside he breaks into and some ladies just put a pie out to cool. He finally cracks through this, through this, you know, wall into the real world and grabs the pie. He's pretty much in the kitchen wall and he grabs the pie and he drags it back to this bland place and you know the people that are 
running a show in this bland place that's supposed to be having pretty much dragged him back and they put him on a bus and there's somebody that looks like Angela Merkel that's supposed to be like God that's supposed to talk to this guy whose name is Anders or Andrew and uh, he refuses the bus takes off but he gets thrown beneath in luggage finally the bus stops he gets out and it's like this cold 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 place there's just wind blowing and snow falling and he keeps saying hello and the bus drives off you know the idea that you were in heaven but if heaven is really a place like this would you want to be there <laughs> would you want to be in such a bland place per se that you couldn't enjoy your own humanity what's the name of this movie again uh the bothersome man that was the english title title it sold under i think I, i'm pretty sure i saw it on netflix or saw it online a few years back um the main character is a, a norwegian character actor that that's appeared in other tv shows and other movies that have been put out in a you know, yeah, into America on Netflix, but yeah, God, look that up. got me thinking, man. And it's it's kind of like this whole thing. It's like I, I personally like civilization. I like the fact that we're not getting killed by panthers or wild animals anymore, and all this. But <laughs> I mean, like in our lifetime, especially, they've talked about it. Like everything's gotten corporatized. All the money's going to corporations. Uh, corporations now run and own the internet. This is supposed to be an avenue of. This is supposed to make us all democratic not really <laughs> like it's people are getting contorted to different views i mean heck we we had the internet change the course of an american election <laughs> this last year yes you we know? certainly have we, we've kind of come to that wait wait a moment what the heck are we doing <laughs> kind of phase i believe with all of this it's become a great big white world we are drained of our color <laughs> yeah Let's examine an, an, another song, um, "The Dope Show." So this is his. his this is his leadoff single, probably the biggest single on the album. Yeah, but it's funny to listen to because this song he almost predicts the rise of reality television. True, true. He really does, actually. Which, after this, you know, for those of you listening once again who are used to reality TV, uh, we used to have sitcoms where people try to write and think about things. Yeah, and then we just got spoon-fed reality TVs. You then pay writers, and people ate it right up. We love in vain, narcissistic and so shallow. Yep. Quid pro quo of our society to get along. Dope show pretty much being reality television. Television for dopes. It yeah. requires no thought whatsoever. Not at all. Follow along and trade. Somewhere a few years back, we're out watching Real Housewives. For the record, I wish Mimi would die. I hope she gets hit by a drone. Oh my goodness. No, I'm serious. She's just not a good person at all, but people love Mimi. Oh, uh, Mimi Leaks? Yes. Yeah. They love her. Such a good biatch, and that's what we're all supposed to do, I guess. Get what we want out of this life. I do not share those same sentiments. I do not want you to be to die. This part of the song right here, they love you when you're on all the covers. Yep. Magazines. Mm hmm. Yep. When you're not. And when you're not, they move to someone else. Yep. That is reality television to a T. Do you know uh, Alan Moore, the guy that wrote Beef of Vendetta? Watchmen? Sure. He, um, 
he almost got famous. Like, this guy is a severe recluse. He actually went on The Simpsons numerous times. Hmm. Um, but they telerecorded all of his spots in the show. Like, he never left England. He got rid of his passport. He doesn't have a driver's license. Like, he stays in there. He pretty much said something on a production he had made it. He had no appetite to get addicted to drugs and end up dead in the teens within three months. So he hid back in his house instead of getting paid. <laughs> wow. It will blow your mind trying to keep up with all that. <laughs> Once again, we get that uh, that motor that's spinning. Even the beat of this, I mean, they've always had a very teutonic beat to a lot of their albums, but this is completely digitized. It's maybe, you know, it's... You compare this to his last two albums, which were a much more guitar-heavy, much more guitar-heavy. Antichrist Superstar actually was the album that they released before they became like this. Mm -hmm. They re-released Antichrist Superstar and reproduced it. I've actually heard the original. It's total garage band. Really? 100%. It's so great. I have to say I've never actually heard that thing original. It's on YouTube out there. If you really, really look for it, like Marilyn Manson Spooky Kids, like the old before they became popular, you know, as we know them now. Associative was another one. Yeah, and, and I actually know some people that have that as a disorder, and it's uh, what else can you really do? Like when you are not yourself, you do dissociate, you know. And disassociative is a good way to describe what happens to people in this kind of society. Disassociative. So apparently I found this out tonight. Uh, he wrote this when he was on ketamine for the first time, or one of the first times he wrote McGowan. Apparently she used to do that. They were married as well. Wow. Yeah. Ketamine, for those of you not familiar with vitamin K, is an animal tranquilizer that veterinarians use. Horse tranquilizer. Yeah. They used it on my son when he had cut his thumb open when he was super little. Because they can't put wonder. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you pretty much just... You can take everything in your mind, but you can't move your body, <laughs> you know? This also kind of alludes to not being in control of yourself, you know? Which is another current recurrent theme in this whole album. People living in the society are not truly controlling themselves.
dead astronaut in space. Like, he has a world to himself and he can't relate to anybody. Yeah. And he, he doesn't want to go there and he doesn't, you know, want to go back to where he came, so he's stuck. <laughs> he's just floating. <laughs> Speaking, my a lot of the problems that I always had with things was I would think one thing about them, and then when reality, you know, different from my perception of them initially, it would just lead to disappointment. You know, um, I pretty much learned not to do that when I think anymore. Just try to figure out what they are instead of thinking about them like I want them to be, just being disappointed later. You know, so it's a more mature approach to the world, more you know, adult approach. Yeah, I would agree. As sad as I say it is. Yep. We're talking about it on Narco Season 3. Something about being adult is accepting things that you wish were true. So <laughs> true. What a great saying. Yeah. They've really come up with some good ones on this new season. space in essence to be a part of this world <laughs> you would rather be the dead lonely observer <laughs> that come down and get in the muck with, with all of this yeah this is not going to be a happy episode tonight folks so. no, no we, we, we've done a lot of introspection right before Delaware gets busy again here so now we're going to do uh, Rock is Dead one of my favorites big big track that made its way onto the uh, Matrix soundtrack Yes. This is pretty much a generational cult classic right now. Very much so. Uh, predictive. <laughs> this actually it even uh, inspired a documentary that MTV did called Rock is Dead. Yeah, I remember that. It was so true. This is at the end of it. Yep. And fed a means for boys. Boy, the is fixes for ladies. <laughs> Tell all the living for the more safer dead. Wow. <laughs> A thing to belong. Anything to belong. Shock is all in your head. Yep. Your sex and your dope is all that we're fed. So fuck all your protests and put them to bed. Wow. My thought with this, it's actually funny too. Do you know that this is the music that you 
play that gets played in Zelda 2 when you go into the dungeons. No. I'm serious, yeah. <laughs> that was another thing about this album. There was a lot of synthesized music, a lot of video game music, in essence, and video game sounds. He knew exactly who he was playing to in this album. It was ridiculous. And this is also, this beat right here, this riff and these drums are a combination of his Teutonic style along with his digital style and sound. Talking about television, this is new father. Mm -hmm. This was also a time when a lot of mothers were single and fathers were in jail or just absent for the first time in, in ever, really, in human history. And he's right about that, about about Roth being dead. Yeah, you know, it was. music is all synthetic now. It is, and it, it's it. We don't struggle as much as people anymore either, and that's a part of it. Like this is about struggle and being different and all that. And I remember, I think it was like 2000, 2001. I saw this video, like yeah, yeah, and we're making money. It was supposed to be this punk rock band, and it was when MTV was going like super corporate. And it was just so disappointing. I'm like, is this what it's all about, really? <laughs> you know? Now we're going to post-human? Yep. I think it's a pruder mouth like heroin. Yeah. And they do want us to be perfect, don't they, Rupture? Mm. You know all about that one. <laughs> Speaks about God being binary in later songs and albums. That's what you were referring to before. God is the number you cannot count to. Yeah. <laughs> Wired to the system pretty much. <laughs> it's kind of funny in these riffs, you've got a guitar that sounds like it's being played by a live person mixed in with more and more of this digital sound that takes over.
Marilyn Manson really had an obsession with the Kennedys and their and their Camelot of sorts, didn't he? He did actually, like, and it's prevalent in a lot of albums, especially like Hollywood. He really, 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 really goes into that a lot. I mean, like, it was kind of the zeitgeist of the generation. Like, my my mother was alive. Like, I think she was like 11 or 12 or something. Kennedy, yeah, she was 11 when Kennedy got shot. Father too, and I think that preceded him a little bit, but it was so prevalent in everyone's consciousness. This idea of American loyalty. You know, that was touchable and reachable by a lot of people. And then it just got obliterated for the whole world to see, you know? I mean, every, like, she, Jackie O did wear that Chanel dress stained her husband's blood, you know? She wanted to go on camera mm-hmm. with it so they could, so she could show everybody, like, look what they did to my husband, you know? At that time, everyone thought that it was just random redneck Texans that shot the that. We all know better now. Have you ever seen the movie JFK with Kevin Costner? I have. Um, so this one Netflix documentary that made the most sense to me and everyone. Oh, I saw a Netflix documentary. Well, no, they, they got this guy that was a special investigator in Australia, a guy that went undercover and broke into a lot of the bike gangs, the motorcycle gangs, which are like kind of like our mafia over here or over there. And um, he came up with a very plausible theory that there may have been someone up in the book depository and there was one shot fired, there was another that caused shrapnel to hit. That, well, the first one that caused shrapnel to come back from the road hit Kennedy like, hey, what's that? second one went through him, full metal jacket bullet. The, the kill shot, when everyone was speeding up and everything, this is the thing, they had a guy that was in charge of an AR-15 that in the Secret Service vehicle behind him on it. And this is the guy that usually like checks the tire pressure to make sure everything's oil up. They had to figure out pretty much all the Secret Service members were up for like 16 hours a day. And they go to strip clubs and bars and blow up scene and they're right back up in the morning for another day of it all. And this is like back to back to back to back. They were doing this massive tour in Texas. And it was not from the ground either. It really mm-hmm. wasn't, especially at that time. I mean, you had the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, you know, that were on the table. And... You know, no one was really happy with that, especially in the South and especially in Texas, with this elitist young college kid um, who pretty much came to power off of bootleg rum running money. And um, this guy's, and the theory is extremely plausible, especially when you look at the trajectory. The idea that the guy that did the oil and all that was told to get the gun. Hmm. And so he picks up an AR 15 with no safety on it or anything, loaded with hollow tip bullets. This is what you actually load your gun with for close quarters because it's going to blow up your target like Gallagher hitting a watermelon when it <laughs> shows instead of going Good straight comparison. through it and whatever like a full metal jacket is supposed to. So, you know, he ran a computer model of it. You know, the guy goes to goes down to pick up the gun. They hit the gas on that particular car and he literally shoots from the hip right into the back of John F. Kennedy, right in the back of his head, which would, with that, particu- with that particular bullet, a 223, would have blown out the front part of his head like a watermelon because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to fragment and expand. So the whole idea that the Secret Service had a gun fail. <laughs> like, could you imagine what would have happened to America if we had zero faith in our Secret Service? If that was true. Let's let's just assume for a moment that was true. Like, wow. Yeah, I mean, forget forget Nixon and everyone's mistrust of American government and everything under Nixon. I mean, imagine people mistrusting our own government back then 
because the people that are paid and trained to protect the president had a gun fail and blew his brains out one morning, freaking out in Texas. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's something that, you know, there have been numerous conspiracy theories and thoughts about, and I've read King Kill 33 that Marilyn Manson references in Hollywood. And it's just, you know, the mind trying to grapple with this horrible event. Like, of all the people to die, why him? And that was the big idea. You know, why a good guy like JFK? It doesn't make sense. You know, it, it's the stuff that in earlier ages they would have made parables about. Or, oh, he was such a good guy that God wanted them to come home so we could fight at the end times or whatever. You know, it's, oh my God. It's something else. That is something that people say when, when they're dead, that God chose them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in every single culture, pretty much. You know, in all my research of Norwegian pagan culture, that, that was their excuse, pretty much. That the head guy was going to use him in the latter days for his final war. So, let's play a couple more songs here oh, yeah. off this album. Uh, next is I Want to Disappear. Yep. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's why I get so many bar clients. <laughs> Look at me now. We got no religion. Yep. Everything's breaking down, kids. <laughs> I grew up to be a whore. Your Catholic school. Wow, I'm a million different things and not one you know. That's fitting in for you. <laughs> Daddy's someone else. <laughs> this is the lyric I always loved. Because it makes us feel like we are Man, that's deep. That's deep and horrible and absolutely true in a lot of respects. <laughs> There's also this element in a lot of his music that you can kind of attribute back to gospel church. Like, I could literally see the whole choir clapping. You know, I think that has more to do with just kind of him wanting to be him. This wanting to make this album as more of an arena rock album. Yeah, true. You know, paying homage, paying homage to, again to those to his set to his favorite seventies rock stars, David Bowie, oh, yeah. Alice Cooper, and yep. Queen. You know, this was very much his magnum opus. He wanted to make this a uh, huge arena rock album. He and wanted to did. tour arenas and he wanted the crowds to go crazy. And they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he liked smaller crowds because it gets the tighter, more involved audience that way. Which is very smart. Actually, I was reading about that in the notes about this song out there that um, he recorded. And he's done this on numerous occasions in his albums. recorded this to sound like it was recorded live. And it never was. But he got that effect in the studio. I do know some artists that choose to do that. They like that live feel. Yeah. Foo Fighters for one. Oh yeah. And, but even his albums in particular, like he would, he would get kind of a prototype of a song in an album that he would record and sell. Then when he did a live album, he got to perfect it. Like I, I was a big fan of Last Tour on Earth, which was a mm -hmm. live album. He had songs from this in previous albums. It was just unreal. The sound and the feel was just haunting and phenomenal, you know. I, I listened to that for a couple of years, driving home at night, you know, just keeping it away. Tradition that's never left me.
awesome. God, powerful and driving too. It's one element I always loved about this album. Like this is one of those albums where I wouldn't actually skip a track. No, <laughs> not, know, me like, neither. Like it's one of the few, especially by anybody, but you know, by him especially. Like I just never skip tracks on this album, no matter what. So we're gonna do a couple more next, and this is one that you were really excited about reviewing: New Model Number Fifteen. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Th- this this sums it all up, especially. No, because I was working in a casino and exposed to that corporate, you know, regimented, regulated lifestyle, especially when you're supposed to be on the clock. Because it also kind of made us sound like a bunch of robots, that that was the idea that, oh yeah, we, we want these androids working for us that aren't human. See, man, he's bad. I'm as fake as a wedding cake. Homopolitan instead of cosmic. Political. Yeah, I noticed that all of the instruments now sound very considerable. Nothing inside. Better in the head and then better in the office. This is the ultimate. I could suck it and smile. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You shattered my lip? Oh, what a sunny day we're having. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Have a great day, sir. <laughs> I can choke and die on coke. coke yeah. Stoned and rolling. How wow. else do you get through the day? Especially in the restaurant business. Good God. Hopeless and disposable. Now, your new model human being. Yeah. Hopeless and disposable. <laughs> new, new model human being. Collect all seven billion separately. <laughs> they can suck and smile. You can't hear it, but that's me grinning so much I'm breaking my face. He looks just like Troy McClure, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I'm suddenly thinking of Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Yeah. That video, those eerie smiles that just kept stretching out forever. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that video, that video is so eerie. <sighs> yeah. I think that, that's when my numbing began as an adolescent myself. <laughs> and we're getting back into the human sounds, the actual live guitar. VCR, stick something in to know who you are. Have someone else tell you what to be. This is the real protest against this coming back. Hear all the live sounds, his attitudes.
got to follow this up with I don't like the drugs. Absolutely. Which is a massive, massive classic. Huge hit. But again, how it relates to our uh, current to our current time yeah. with the opioid epi- epidemic hitting the, hitting the con- hitting the country. Yeah, yeah. Nothing left to do. Might as well get high. <laughs> Listen to this no funk. Job, no goals. Let's just get high, kids. And I never understood they were saying norm life baby. And our sex is missionary. Land and boring. Yeah. Norm life baby. We're quitters and we're sober. Where <laughs> fashions will be televised. And weren't they with all those celebrities going to rehab? Absolutely. Isn't that something? <laughs> you guys were ready to fall. Yeah. Need those drugs. Need them. Nothing else is going on. Need something. Raised to be stupid and taught to be nothing at all. God, I love that. That's the line I love the most in this whole song because it was so true. I witnessed so many people just pass the rock and as they get the minimum wage job and go screw themselves. Like, I'm serious. That is probably the line that defines the millennial generation more than anything else. Yeah. Raised to be stupid. And are we, are we? We're just supposed to go work and then, like, give our money to back to Louis Vuitton or whatever, mm-hmm. or go to the bar. Like, there's so many songs about just going out partying. Look up so to the Kardashians. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't get me started. Whatever they had to say about them. Sample of a soul made look just like a human being. Yeah. We're rehabbed and we're ready for our 15 <laughs> minutes of shame. Once again, that happened. Talk shown and, and we're pointing. pointing. Just like Christians <laughs> at a suicide. <laughs> Not to mention the cooler. Pardon us for singing along with this song, Wits, but this song is awesome. It's a classic. <laughs> yep. Do you remember the music video when he was on the big cross of television? Yeah, he was yeah. crucified. Cruci- crucified the TV. Yeah. That was another recurring theme. TV was God. And once again, he's got black female soul singers doing this. And live, it was even more pronounced. He let them take the mic more when he did on Last Four on Earth. I do love it, but just the, you know, like the kind of the funky gospel feel of yeah. the song. Yeah. Complete the clapping, yeah. Like you'll see if you go to a gospel church. And the amen. Yeah. And the breakdown to make it kind of sound like you are taking the drugs for sure, mm-hmm. and you're being kind of shuttled through existence on the assembly line. There's a hole in our soul that we fill with dope. Wow. <laughs> and we're feeling fine. We don't know what fine stands for out there. I mean. That 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 one line right there, oh, for, for, foreshadowing our opioid crisis now. What President Trump is ca- calling a national emergency. National emergency. It's been people. ten years. Yeah. Somebody was talking no. about at the table, like um, people that I've waited on before, went to some very prominent Delaware lawyer, and um, I think everyone's involved in teaching in some capacity at the table. They were talking about it, like, yeah, you know, cities are suing because no one warned about the dangers, but. I remember people talking about it that were abusing it 10 years ago. Oh, it's just like heroin, but it won't kill you. Oh my god. Talking about oxycodone. It's like exactly what they were doing. I'm sorry. People knew. People knew. Between that and being and 
boxes are like, everyone's like, wait, it won't kill me like Darwin will probably? Sweet, let's do this. You know? Why do you think I was centralized in white suburban areas? Yeah, pretty much. You know, and Darwin's so much more affordable than Boxy was. It just brought it to the masses. Just like crack cocaine and make coke more affordable for mm -hmm. everybody. Oh man, the live version is really, really hold on. Sustinato. Really hold on to those drugs. Really holding on. I really wish he would let go of the drugs, but he's just got to come to the terms with his, the fact that his mother died. Poor guy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's messed him up. You can just tell. You can tell so much. Every live interview, it's like he just did something five minutes prior. It's the way he talks. It's a shame. It is a shame. Yep. We're going to play one more song off this album. It's the last song on the album. It's Coma White. Yep. Which I did some research about, because I didn't know if he did this originally or somebody else did, but apparently it's a, it's a song about a woman that killed herself that he knew. Um, I heard that. And the funny part is, if you ever watch the video, the video is extremely powerful. Oh, my goodness. He's showing actual emotion. Now it makes sense to me, like because I've never seen him look that genuinely emotional in any video ever. And he is that way because he's talking about a friend. She may have been upper class. A world that threw me away today. Yeah. I swear, like, as a 33-year-old man, I'm blown away by the power of words. Oh, yeah, just the feeling of this. I'm getting goosebumps in my shoulder. Absolutely, me too. Listening to this. And he was, like, just screaming this in the mic on the video and like even like right before they got loud in this if you ever see the video like the side of chimpanzee which is always supposed to be reminiscent of like all that we always see because a lot of us are just chimps or whatever but when you just yelled out you know, in the video it's just kind of like his soul and that that line I mean incorrectly prescribing children with Adderall, I pull the maker numb, I pull the maker dumb, I pull the maker anybody else. You don't have to tell me, I lived my whole teenage years that way. I mean, I'm psychoactive drugs. You know, and then you find out years later, oh yeah, you were never any of those things. Wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, get a professional opinion that says, yeah, you were just struggling with identity as a teenager and then screwed up asshole with unrealistic expectations. Okay, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> Thanks. That's why I've been off my meds for 15 years and just fine. <laughs> This is far and away probably the most emotional song he's ever recorded. Like I'm ever. Okay, ever. You're absolutely right. I mean, cut you off. But, yeah. No, no, sorry. Run away from life. Man. That's what suicide is. 
it took me years to realize that every time I did want to die, I just wanted out of that moment. I wanted out of that feeling. I wanted out of my own skin at that very second. That's all it ever was. And it's a way we, yeah. we it's a way we lost ourselves. We all kind of wanted a way. We all kind of wanted a way out. Yeah. But we developed a strength, and as you grow up, it becomes yep. easier, easier to develop that strength to move forward through the day. Yep. But sometimes it's really all you want. Yeah. But you don't have the memories in place yet to understand that that's life and that will happen. You can get through it at that time. You just have the present and a bunch of new emotions and perspectives that you have no idea how to deal with mm -hmm. in those two years. Especially, this is another thing about the society that we're talking about. Like, people, a lot of people are just sheltered, even if you're not that well off financially, like, you might just stay in your house away from the unsafe world, like, isolated, in essence, and that's another problem that this world has led to, because we have a lot of isolated perspectives, and we don't know how to deal with things until we get out of the house, per se, which, for a lot of people, gets put off into their 30s. I mean, you think about it, you and I have been out on our own now for over 10 years, each, and uh, there's a lot of people that are just getting out of their own if, if they have at our ages and that's that's a fighting thought to me absolutely you know, very much so yeah I'll, I'll take my hits that's fine you know that's life but some people oh no not for my little baby man you gotta grow up sometime I don't live I don't want to live in that world I don't want to babysit people in their 40s when everyone's dead and gone and you don't want to be babysat when you're in your 40s you really shouldn't yeah Johnny Fives in the background on the guitar. Just completely lamenting the crime, pretty much. On his guitar, you hear all the drugs in this world. I'm actually, I'm surprised that he released a video for this song. Yeah. And it was symbolic, too, and like, it didn't really talk about that ordeal so much, but he depicted himself as JFK being assassinated, being shot through the throat by people trying to silence him. He rose McGowan falling over him, trying to save him. And then he had his bandmates like Johnny Five, Boogie Ramirez, like running behind him on the motorcade. Wow. And that finishes Mechanical Animals. And there's a couple more tracks that we could play off the album. But I think everyone's kind of got the idea of where we're going with this and how important the album was, I think, to you and I, for sure. Definitely, yeah. Um, th this is actually is one of the albums that kind of got me out of Christianity, believe it or not, slowly back then. Like, it made me think about the world in general, you know, um, life beyond the safe, the safe home and, you know, the sanctuary of the church, honestly, like what life really was out there. That, that's what it started doing for me. I actually started listening to this uh, before I left my house and then when I was in my first job um, during my first year of marriage back in 2002 hmm. after 9-11. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the album that, I mean, I listened to it all the time when I was a kid. I mean, I was 14 when it came out, mm -hmm. but my parents would never let me listen to, oh, no. to Marilyn Manson. No, no. So I got to appreciate it more when, actually when I just got out of college and I entered the adult world for the first time. Yeah. And that's when the album really, really hit home, particularly Great Big White World, because oh. I saw for myself how 
plain how plain the world was for the very very first time like not through the eyes of the television but through my own eyes yeah yeah totally i mean you know and, and once again i don't i understand why so many previous generations of humanity fought for a peaceful civilization where you can go to work and do a job and pay your bills and see your family you know and have stability but good god the way it's getting now it's just you don't get allowed to be anything else no you know and if you do you're going to hr yes that's exactly <laughs> right take this pill to make you numb a pill to make you dumb and a pill to make you anybody else to conform to modern society that is being a millennial to a t it, it certainly is i mean we, we we have both worked for a company which we shall not name mm -hmm. that um actually seems to be more concerned with people's feelings over their performance <laughs> over if they're doing the job they're being paid for or not like yeah treating them like a like, like a bunch of mechanical animals <sighs> like a bunch of kids yeah like we're too good for that like we're too good to grow up or deal with things as they are oh my god yeah. no but it's true I mean I really think that in the corporate in the corporate structure the one that we're referring to you really are treated like uh, like mechanical animals yep Hundred percent. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, if you don't, you know, if you don't conform to what they believe, they take you to HR and they tweak you. Yeah, Just a little bit by little bit. Little bit by little bit by little bit. Visit after visit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they stick you in an office which is about the size of a fucking pig pen. Yeah. Seriously. No windows. Yeah. No, no, nothing. Just you're kind of locked. It's it's kind of like a sensory deprivation tank only there's one person standing aside from you maybe two or three mm -hmm. so you'll really get the hint <laughs> you know? well, with that being said it is 1am on yep. Labor Day and I think we're gonna call it a day because we both I had a so. long weekend yep. but uh, this was a really fun episode I uh, this may not be everyone's cup of tea but I yep. really enjoyed recording it I enjoyed going in depth into one of our favorite albums and an album that I think has shaped us as a society, as as the millennial generation, and even if it didn't shape us, it kind of called where we'd be. <laughs> yeah, you know, way ahead of our time. Um, once again, I was talking to Roger about how this was all before the digital age and Facebook and you know internet and corporations and ads every two seconds catered to your likes and cookies. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty frightening. So you know, what, what what should we say to them out there, Roger? That you know. That at the end of the day, they have to find out who they are and pursue that. That's, That's what I always like saying to people. That's exactly it. It doesn't have to be a great big white world. Don't be afraid to show your personality because there's no one in the world like you and there's no one else that can be you better than you. Don't try and be anybody else. Certainly don't be the Kardashians. Don't be Nanny Leaks. Yeah. Be yourself because you being yourself is the most amazing thing you can ever be. You ever be. I'm just going to leave us tonight with a quote from Dr. Seuss, which I was trying to... Uh, paraphrase before yep. today you are you that is truer than true there is no one alive who is youer than you and that's absolutely right heed those words <sighs> with that being said I am Roger Serpin and I'm Andrew Charlton let's keep it together America have a great night have a great night don't wanna wait till tomorrow